Hello, Dancewell listeners, and welcome back to part two of episode 21. In part one, Rebecca Dietzel suggested that we avoid treating injuries with ice, and now she's going to offer some alternative self-care options that dancers can use to de-stress and gently reduce inflammation. When I think of the young dancers I know, they're so busy. <laughs> they, yes. they have tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. They are trying to get a career started in a really difficult field. They're trying to get to class. They need to work three waitressing jobs and babysit to pay for their apartment on the outskirts of the city. And, you know, there's this, they're just so stressed and so busy. And I think, therefore, a lot of times dancers are just drawn to these um, quicker quicker treatments, you know? So yes. that ice thing, it's like to calm your body and to check in and evaluate can take, even if it doesn't take more time, it feels like it's going to take more time. Right. You know, so um, have you experienced resistance to this? How do you deal with that? What are, what are your philosophies there? You know, it's interesting. The biggest resistance right now is coming from the sports world. Okay. Yeah, and there are a lot of issues out there anyway, but mm-hmm. a lot of the pushback, and this is even pushback to people like when Gabe Merkin is lecturing on this. Yeah. It seems to be the people whose job it is to get out on the field and pack the ice on the shoulder of the professional yeah. pitcher. Right, right. So I think they're feeling like, I'm going to lose my job if this happens. Uh-huh. You know, instead of expanding their horizons, which would right. be my suggest- suggestion, and say, oh, let me learn some other techniques. Yeah. So I can still, you know, be in this field beyond the the trainers there's also like I'm thinking about the dancers who say work some really grueling Broadway show that has four performances a day and you know in between every show they have to stick their feet in an ice bucket or they can't do the next show and I mean if you were to stop and be calm and evaluate you might say this is not a good job (laughs) You know, there's a risk of that, right? Like, this is not a healthy situation I've gotten myself into. If you're an athlete that's getting so brutally beat on the shoulder over and over again that you have to put ice on that shoulder every single day after practice, you need to stop and say, like, is this the right activity for me? Right? And that's, like, a big question to ask. Yes. Well, I have two thoughts on that. One is that dancers need to find their voice more. Yeah. Because you run into these issues of, I'm working with this choreographer, and in this particular piece, they have me do this horrible movement where I'm twerking my knee completely, and it hurts. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, you need to tell them. Yeah. You know, Actually, yeah. what I used to say, I get a little snarky, and I say, so in rehearsal, when that movement comes up, you say, I'm not quite understanding this. Can you show it to me, please? <laughs> because most of the time, those choreographers are not doing the movements themselves. Yeah. So when they do it, they go, oh, this kind of hurts my knee too. Right. So that's one thing. But the other thing is to be willing to say, I'm not going to do that. Yep. These exactly. are the only knees I've got. Yep. And that hurts. Yep. You know. The other thing is there are other ways to deal with those kinds of aches and pains. Mm-hmm. Even the pain of, yeah, I've got the, you know, the four shows in a day and there's that one dance in act two where I'm doing all of those, you know, repetitive movements over and over, taking my leg up to my head, all of yep. that. Um, And again, this is where the information comes in. Drinking ginger tea. Uh Uh-huh. You know, made from the fresh root, not like dried little bits of ginger root in a tea bag or dried ginger powder. Um, But yeah, ginger tea. 
will decrease inflammation and pain. Um, Turmeric tea, and that can actually be the dried powder. Okay. So just a little bit of, you know, quarter to a half teaspoon of turmeric powder in hot water. Drink it down. Okay. Yeah. Um, White willow bark. Okay. White willow is nature's aspirin. It's actually salicylic acid. It's what the pharmaceutical companies use to make that. Right. Yeah, and you can find it. It's usually in a tincture. Okay. So it's a little liquid. Comes in a little dropper bottle. Uh You just put, you know, a dropper full in some water. Drink that down. Uh Uh-huh. I found some interesting research where they found that, you know, topical application of menthol and camphor, Mm -hmm. which I think are the things that are in tiger balm. Yeah. um, Are actually helpful for decreasing decreasing inflammation. Uh Uh-huh. So there are other things that can be done. And at the very least, take a break. You know, you drink your ginger tea that you brought in your thermos, and you lay on the floor and put your legs up the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of trying to like race out and do five errands or check your email or do something else or run to another audition. Oh my God, Rebecca, when I look back on my schedule books from my early days. <laughs> it's amazing we all survived. It's unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I, and I think I'll, in order to survive, you, you do have to make those changes. Exactly. You know, you, you will learn or you will burn out, right? Right. So. right. Yeah, and just prioritizing your self-care. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's such a different world now. Yeah. And, you know, as a 54-year-old woman, I kind of feel like the older person going, ah, back in my day. Yeah. But when I moved to New York in 1988 to be a dancer, I rented an apartment in Queens for $400. Right. You can't find no. that anymore. No. I didn't have to work 16 jobs. Yeah. You know, I could actually study with people who were teaching me amazing things about how to use my body well as a dancer. Yeah. You know, so that doesn't exist. Yeah. So dancers, you know, again, aside from finding their own voices and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Really prioritizing their self-care. Well, and even thinking of finding your voice as self-care. You know, there, Absolutely. Was a, there was an article on social media that a lot of millennials were really drawn to, which was saying like, yo, self-care isn't getting a manicure. You right, know, right. self-care is finding your voice. Self-care yes. is knowing when you've done too much. Self-care is, you know, all those those more complicated exactly things. Yeah, it's not exactly. just spending money shopping. Right, yeah. right. And yeah, like you say, it's not just, well, I can't afford to get a massage. Yeah. You know, because for hypermobile dancers, massage is actually not self-care <laughs> for a lot right. of them. I mean, simple things. Are you well hydrated through the day? Right. Did you eat something today? Yeah, did you did you rest and clear your mind or did you look at your phone and check fa- yeah, exactly. check your social media or exactly. something? Right. Yeah. right. Did you give yourself 20 minutes before you went to bed mm-hmm. of just calming yourself? Yeah. Checking in with yourself. Right. Or were you trying to do one more thing? Right. Oh, let me just like send this quick text message. Yeah. You know, let me try to like wash the dishes. Who cares? Leave the dishes in the kitchen sink. They'll be there in the morning. <laughs> right. You know, really prioritizing those kinds of things. You know, prioritizing yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was young, one time somebody had to tell me, you actually don't need to do your laundry tonight. You actually can wear dirty clothes tomorrow. Exactly. It was a fellow dancer. Exactly. And I really appreciated that. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, is there any other, you, you mentioned some dietary things. Do you want to, are there other dietary things? Do you feel like you got a, a strong list there? Uh, you would know, you like to mention? Just in terms of inflammation, mm-hmm. If you just look at your dietary intake of the omega-3 and omega-6 essential fatty acids, okay. because the omega-6 essential fatty acids are the pro-inflamers, uh-huh. and the omega-3s are the anti-inflamers. Okay. So if we just look at, well, what are the foods that contain omega-6, yeah. you can see why Westerners are so inflamed. Okay. Because the first things you see on the list, corn, corn soy, wheat, and peanuts. Okay. 
that's standard American diet right there. Yeah. Also on that list, uh, safflower oil, grapeseed oil. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of these things people do thinking they're healthy are actually increasing inflammation. Right, like tofu or something is... Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and even, uh, well, things like tofu, again, it gets really uh, never complicated. never black and white, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so if you go to Japan and eat the tofu mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. you are eating a completely different food than the tofu you'll find here. Why is that? They make it by a completely different method. Okay. They make it by a traditional method that actually greatly diminishes the pro-inflammatory aspects Interesting. of the soybean. Interesting. Over here, tofu was made as an industrial food product to be sold at a profit. Right. To use up all that soy that exactly. we have growing in the exactly. Midwest. Yeah. Which, of course, is federally subsidized. Right. Right. You know? so I mean, when I tell you the list of omega-3 foods that are anti-inflammatory, none of them are federally subsidized. Wow. What are they? Just to take us into another place. Yes. Um, so almonds, uh-huh. walnuts, pumpkin seeds, which means also almond oil, walnut oil, pumpkin seed oil. Okay. Any dark green leafy thing, mm-hmm. whether it's a cooking dark green leafy like mustard greens or kale or a salad-y one like arugula, watercress, even basil. Okay. Basil has omega-3. Parsley probably? Um, parsley, yeah. 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 Uh, chia seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of those cold water oily fish like salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, herring, um, I recently found out eel is really high oh. in omega-3. Uh-huh. Um, but again, we have to look at the food practices here. Right. Because wild-caught salmon is full of omega-3, but farm-raised salmon is not. Interesting. Because you are what you eat, and so is the fish. Right. So the farm-raised salmon are eating what the fish farmer is feeding them, uh-huh. and it's not a high omega-3 diet. I see. So it does get It's not, right, tricky. it's not algaes and seaweeds. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and what else? Oh, mung beans. Oh, yeah. So if yeah. you get uh, those, uh, the really thick bean sprouts that you'll yep. find, like on Pad Thai, mm-hmm. in a Thai restaurant, those are mung bean sprouts. Right. Loaded with omega-3. Okay. Or if you go to an Indian restaurant and get mung dal. Okay. Those are mung beans loaded with um, omega-3. Uh, chestnuts um, and macadamia nuts. Nice. Are all good sources of omega three. None of those are federally subsidized. No, interesting. Yeah, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother interview about politics and food. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. 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 So if you just look at your omega three, omega six balance, mm-hmm. and decrease your omega six foods and increase your omega three foods. Okay. That alone will dramatically alter inflammation. Again, bringing it into the level appropriate for healing. Right. Right. Instead of taking it so high. Yep. Great. Um, and then I think we would be remiss not to touch on NSAIDs, um, non-steroidal yes. anti-inflammatory drugs, for those who don't know. Um, there were times in my dancing life where I took Advil as a vitamin. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Wake up, feel bad, take some Advil, go to class. Right. Let's Which talk is about really that. Common. Yes. No, yeah. I, I, I teach at all sorts of you know, teacher conferences. Mm-hmm. And there was one that I was at, you know, we were just about to start and somebody came in and mentioned she had a headache. Every single teacher in that room reached into their dance bag and pulled out a bottle of pills. Yeah. And I decided to say, whoa, let's stop the boat right here. Yeah. Let's start the conversation right here. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah, let's talk about a headache. Yeah. You know, because a headache is a signal from your body that something is going on. Mm -hmm. It's not just a pain in your head. Right. It's not an injury to your brain or exactly. something. It's not a, yeah. Right, you know, it's, it's an indicator that you're dehydrated or you haven't eaten enough or mm-hmm. you ate too much of a sugary thing and mm-hmm. are getting a blood sugar spike or you're constipated. Mm-hmm. Popping an Advil doesn't address any of those things. Right. 
And also, popping an Advil doesn't address your Achilles tendonitis because of your technique issues. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't fix your technique. No, exactly. it does so not. It, just, it literally takes away the signal from your body saying, hello, pay attention to me. Something is problematic here. Yep. And what are the dangers? You know, we, we're recently hearing more in the news about the dangers of NSAIDs. Yes. What are they? So, oh goodness, where to even start? There are so many of them. Uh-huh. So they work by decreasing inflammation. But unlike the omega-3s, so if you, you know, eat almonds as a snack, yeah. the omega-3 in it works with your body okay. to help your body figure out how much inflammation you need to heal your tendonitis. Okay. These drugs don't do that. Uh-huh. They just decrease the level of inflammation so much it goes down below the level required for healing. Yep. So it does take away the pain, but it also takes away the healing. Yep. There are, I mean, without going into like you know, hundreds and hundreds of studies because they are out there. A lot of the issues have to do with um, erosions in the digestive tract. Mm -hmm. Ulcers, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because we do make a particular enzyme Mm -hmm. that protects us from things coming in via food. Okay. You know, so somebody's in the grocery store walking by the apples and they do a big humongous sneeze on the (laughs) apples and there's all sorts of interesting, you know, bacteria now on the apple. You come, you buy the apple, you eat it on your way out of the store, you know, you take in all of those germs. Your body makes an enzyme that works in your esophagus to kill those germs, Uh you know, before they get into you. So one of the things that happens with some of these NSAIDs is it takes away your body's ability to make that enzyme. Mm -hmm. So now you lose that, like, daily protection from incoming bacteria. Right. Exactly. So that's why we see more, you know, gastric erosions. Uh Um, Yeah, and more ulcers. Yeah. Um, and that has to do with lots of other effects because these drugs also affect, uh, it's called hemodynamics. It's the way that we move blood through our system. Uh, so we see issues, you know, with kidneys Mm -hmm. because kidneys are playing a big role in, you know, blood pressure and all of that. Um, there are cases of increased blood pressure in a significant number of even young, healthy people who take these drugs. Right. Um, there's also... It's called nocturnal hypertension. Mm-hmm. And it means just that. It means during the night your blood pressure rises. Interesting. Yeah, so when we that sleep... That sounds stressful. Yes. During a time that's not supposed to be stressful. Exactly. When we sleep, our <laughs> blood pressure actually goes down. Right. So the body gets a break. Right. Yeah. So we see these cases, and it's totally driven by these drugs. Mm-hmm. Cases of blood pressure spiking in the middle of the night. Right. And people wake up and they say, wow, I slept, but I kind of feel like I've been hit by a truck. Interesting. Yeah, and it's this nocturnal hypertension. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Heart attacks is one of the latest, yes. the one that really made the news. Ex- yeah. Again, because of how it affects your vascular right. system. Right, and here you might have a little, you have a an improving sprain way down at your ankle, and you're taking this systemic drug right. that's going to affect everything from your mouth to your ankle. Right, exactly. So. And again, you know, you could just be drinking ginger tea. Yeah. Just take that fresh root, slice it, slice it the long way so you uh-huh. expose a lot of surface area. Uh-huh. Put it in a pot of water, bring it to a boil for two or three minutes. Right. Ginger tea. Right. You can make a big pot. It keeps its therapeutic value for three to four days. Oh, wow. Yeah, make Good a big know. pot, you know. What about drinking it cold? Still valuable? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Keep it in your water bottle. Great. Yeah. So, again, just it's more information. Yep. You know, because if all we've known, if all we've heard from anybody else is, oh, here, take this. Yes. You know, take this drug that I happen to have in my dance bag. Yeah. 
I, I want to just put a plug in. We, we've done um, an episode with Marshall Higgins about pain and mm. sort of talking about these neuro-re-education about pain and the idea that um, just because you have a big pain doesn't mean you have a big tissue damage. Yes. And how um, pain, there aren't receptors for pain, that there are receptors for information, and then the brain interprets as right. pain. And whether or not the brain interprets pain has to do with many, many different things, including you know your emotional state, the history, the circumstances surrounding the injury, your stress yes. levels at the at the moment, and you know this is really very. This is not hocusy pocusy. This is real, just right, straight right. up neuroscience. Yes, that you know if if there's more stress in the system, both biochemically and um, evolutionarily, your body is going to interpret more things as pain. Right. Um, so this, w- this is a great conversation to complement that episode to think like, yes. if you really can calm down and sort of tamp down all the extra noise and stress and anxiety, your body has a better chance of sort of really, um, regulating and assessing and making more conservative choices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get a mild ankle sprain two days before the audition for yes. the company that is the company of your dreams... Yeah, your stressful response to that mild ankle sprain is very likely to bring up more pain. Right, right. And, you know, just using that example, um, I, I always refer to that gymnast for the U.S. Olympics who uh, broke her ankle and then proceeded to vault on her broken ankle because her team then had a shot at winning a silver medal. And because I work in health and wellness, the expected punchline is that that's terrible, but actually part of me as a, you know, performer and a believer in achievement, it's like, I don't think that was necessarily the worst choice. I mean, that she had already hurt herself. She was going to need a lot of rehabilitation anyhow. This is the ultimate peak moment of her career, and she evaluated, hopefully, didn't feel pressured into the decision, hopefully she evaluated that it was a risk worth taking, you know? And so when you talk about the maybe ice at the end <laughs> and the upcoming audition, you know, like you, there might be a time where you say, I know my ankle is not a hundred percent, but I've really thought through the benefits and the drawbacks. And I just feel like it's really, really important that I do this show, this audition, this, whatever it is. And I know there are risks and I'm, I'm prepared to face the consequences, right? right? And that's different than saying, I didn't know any better and I iced it and now I have this long-term chronic injury because the tissue never healed well. And Exactly. Yeah. I think so, choice is the key word there. Yeah. Because we can only make wise choices if we have all of the information. Yeah. I think, I mean, we could go on for a lot longer. <laughs> Um, but I think that's a good that's a good start. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that we know about ice, or that you want to say about your work with dancers, or um, any other warm suggestions to leave us with? I mean, I think the way I'm looking at ice these days is that we're right up against a paradigm shift. Yeah. You know, as we talked about, it's like we all came up in this world of dance where oh yeah, just ice it. You right. know, and there's a paradigm shift that has not yet happened, but we're in that stage of rumbling mm-hmm. where, you know, oh, yeah, the earth isn't flat anymore. Yeah. And it's the stage where things can get really nasty and ugly. Yeah. You know, so my suggestion is, first of all, you know, go to the science. 
Right. Because it's there. I was surprised at how much science was there. Yeah. Even just finding this basic biochemistry of, oh, ice prevents your macrophages from making this, you know, insulin-like growth factor one that organizes the healing process. Yeah. You know, that's irrefutable. Yeah. You know, it can't be argued. The other thing is, you're the only person living in your own body. Mm-hmm. You know, so do a little experiment. I've had so many people contact me saying, oh, yeah, I sprained my ankle eight years ago when I was a young dancer, and I, you know, iced it forever, and I still have problems. It's still weak. It's yeah. still my unstable ankle. And, you know, I sprained my ankle, you know, two weeks ago when I was in this yoga teacher training where someone talked about not using ice, so I didn't use ice. I compressed and elevated and moved it in the pain-free range. And it healed really quickly, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm mm-hmm. still having problems with it, but my pain levels are dramatically decreased and mm-hmm. I'm not dealing with all of this, you know, swelling. Right. So right. actually trying it and seeing what happens. Right. You know, and again, I think the issue is one of, it's not just, well, take away ice and don't do anything else. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's like, well, take away the ice. Yeah. Do your compression. Drink your ginger tea. Look at your diet. Right. Calm you know, say, your nervous system. Exactly. Take some breaths. Right. Yeah. Am I sleeping? You know, say, maybe I won't do my laundry tonight. I'll yeah. go to bed. So my body has an extra half hour of rest and repair time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, use it as a big, full human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And experiment and see what happens. Great. And then you're likely to notice other things too. Like, oh yeah, when I drink more water, my skin clears up. Yeah. You know, or I sleep better. Yeah. Or, you know, my left big toe joint doesn't ache from my bunion when I'm fully hydrated. Imagine that. Who knew? Right. Right. You know, see, so yeah, the foundations of care, of self-care, really do work. Yeah. <laughs> if we actually apply them, we just have to do them. Yeah. Instead of just talking about them. Yeah. You know, and really looking at the reality on the ground of what it means to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. You know, in places like New York City, where you can't find that $400 a month rental in Queens anymore. Right. You know, so saying, what can I do? You know, I want to be a dancer. It's the most beautiful, amazing thing I've ever done. Right. You know, yeah. How else can I support myself then? Yeah, or even reevaluating that. I mean, there have been brilliant people who have gone to Tennessee and started their dance company or Montana. and You know, like really, um, like like you said, it's a paradigm shift, you know, really rethinking. Yeah, and I think ultimately just, you know, bigger picture, art has intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. for human beings mm-hmm. and everybody is looking for that yeah you know art connects human beings to wonder and joy in a way that very few things can i feel like nature does that yeah and art does it as well yeah. so yes you can move your dance company to tennessee and probably get a whole lot of support there because people are hungry Starving, for it yeah. yes yeah great um, so maybe you don't have to move, but maybe you should <laughs> reassess your use of ice. If you're um, a science-inclined person, go and look at what the research is and decide for yourself. See, dig around and, and see what you find. Yes. And you can go to uh, pubmed.gov. Mm-hmm. It's the NIH website yep. where you can actually read the medical journals yep. and actually see what was the research that was actually done instead of getting it filtered through somebody talking about something online or mm-hmm. some fellow dancer saying, oh, I read this thing on Reddit last night. Yeah, right. You know, and you have no idea what they actually read. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Rebecca. This has been really informative. You're so welcome. On behalf of Marissa and myself, Ellie Kushner, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast to subscribe. 
we'll be releasing bi-monthly episodes with an emphasis on exploring 360 degrees of health and wellness for dancers. Have questions or want to get in touch? Email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye!